What's up, everybody, and welcome to Frame Skip episode 55. We are recording this an hour late because we've been too busy ranting and raving and catching up with each other about uh, our stuff this Chitting past week. Chitting the chat, if you will. Chitting the chat. Shooting the pooch. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's that's up the G that. version. Yeah. That's the G version. Rounds up, yeah. I am joined this week with my lovely cast, the ladies' man, Elijah Steele. Hello there. George Cam Newton Luft. I almost called you Luftus. George Luftus. Cam Newton Luftus? Yeah. <laughs> George <laughs> Cam Newton Luftus. <laughs> the new Swedish addition to, <laughs> to Frame Skip. Yeah. Um, and go, go Bruins. Go Bruins. The coach, Kyle Newman. Screw What's up, man. brother? Not much. So, uh, George, you said you got specifically called out by one of my best friends and watcher of the show, Pedro. Uh, yeah, he kept calling me a cuck. I didn't take too kindly to that. It's like he had one play and he just ran it over and over again, which is probably why my team in the NHL standings has a higher seating going into the playoffs. Oh, um, yikes. Yikes. You know, so did it, you guys have like a back and forth on Twitter or was this like one comment? Uh, it was a couple comments back and forth. It was cute yeah. because he uh, he followed me first and then he just said horrible things to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, He's yeah, a- He's here for the long haul. Okay. Well, in that case, yeah, I can I can give it as good as I can get it. Like that's fine. Like he's a good guy. The, he, you got to understand when it comes to Pedro that he loves arguing. Like it's his favorite thing in the world. So like he like, he, he just been smiling that whole time to that conversation, just being like, "Oh, I got him. I got him now." Like, buddy, I live on an island off the coast of Maine with uh, not the best internet. I get bored very easily. So just you bring, live on an bring it on. I live on an island. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Didn't we have someone else who lived on an island a long time ago? I thought he, Were they lonely? Wasn't one of Coach's fr- friends ah. as a guest? He lived on an island? Was it Michael? Was it Michael? Oh, Michael B. Maybe he did. He lived in Newfoundland in yeah. Newfoundland. Canada. Yeah, oh. Newfoundland. George, oh, I, this is a good question for you since you're um, a Maine native. Yeah. Is the castle still off the coast of Maine? Is there a castle off the coast of Maine that is like, was like Love Island or something like that? Love Castle? Not off the top of my head, I couldn't say. Uh, that mm. sounds like some weird thing that would absolutely exist in Maine. Like, most yeah. of Maine is basically just like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode you haven't seen yet. Hmm. I used to love that show. It's a great show. Yeah, it's a great show. But it sucks when you can imagine every episode taking place in your backyard. The only one that did make sense was the mall episode that got turned into a pinball machine because uh, there wasn't a mall around me. So I always get them confused with um, Goosebumps. I didn't. I thought Are You Afraid of the Dark was of much higher quality. That was that Canadian broadcast channel really coming through in, in production. What was the name of that show? Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark? The first, the first season's on YouTube. I watched it all not that long ago. And there it's, is uh, hold a up. bunch of... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There is castles in Maine. Uh, oh, I totally, totally believe it. West Paris. You know, whenever I get like just... Uh, I miss the '90s so much. Nine times out of ten, I go back to Goosebumps. You, you, know? you miss the you miss the '90s so much. You go back and watch the Netflix remake of Thundercats. No, <laughs> or He Man, or is it is it it's, She-Ra? I think, it, I think it's Voltron She-Ra. and She-Ra. You know, She-Ra. The Transformers is good. That that's Transformers are good. I yeah. thought they did Thundercats too, right? Didn't they no, do Thundercats? I don't think so. 
I think there was a remake. There was like a 26 episode remake of Thundercats in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. And there was a really good He-Man remake in the 2000s. I saw this really interesting write-up about um, modern animation. You know how all this modern animation is coming out. It's it's very cutesy and like there's low detail on stuff. And I I read this really interesting write-up because it was about this, um, this. This person made this post about how these new shows all look like awful. And he said it was because of um, social justice. And then this animator popped in and he's like, no, actually this is a long evolved thing because you started getting shows like, um, what was that? I forget the name of the show. No, it was on the cartoon network in in the mid two thousands. Cartoon network started doing this type of animation with uh, foster's home. That's what it was. Oh yeah. And like, and like, um, uh, Powderpuff Girls and stuff like that. It's low quality animation. They were able to pump up. Episodes you shut your faster. mouth about Powder Powerpuff Girls, man. That was yes. Jenny Tartofsky. That was the same guy who did the Clone Wars <laughs> cartoon shorts, like back in the early two thousand. Right, but you, uh, but I don't, I don't mind the animation quality. I'm just saying, I, I I'm expressing that I read a really cool article, well, not article, but it was a, a reply from an animator about this. Mm-hmm. They're able to put out these. It's a stylized thing that that animation's evolved into, and now it's taught in college to animate like this that's, that's this. interesting because i wouldn't have thought that i would have thought it was because of like memes you know just like the amount of like quality in memes and like the way you see things that look kind of low budget mm-hmm. and so that's just become like vernacular almost like a con- like conversational pieces and yeah. so i could see that like being reflected in art just because it's like oh these cartoons look the way you talk about jokes with your friends like that but, that's like the anthropomorphic or not anthropomorphic anthropological evolution i could see yeah but I didn't even realize because I don't really watch that many cartoons. I, I usually just watch anime, and I don't, even, I don't really like the um, modern like Western anime that Netflix comes out with. But the, like the the cartoons that are coming out now, that that person was right. They all look pretty similar, almost exactly the same. Like the super low detail. It's not like the cartoons we had when we were kids. So I don't know over how we started on this, but something about the nineties. I think they were low detail <laughs> yeah. in a in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Um, but gentlemen, I just came back two days ago from my trip from Orlando, Florida. It was wonderful, sunny, super hot. I always forget how hot it is. Have any of you yeah. been to Disney World? Yeah. I haven't. I haven't been to Disney World, but I've been to Naples, Florida, and I'll never forget. I was there in October, and it was like eighty-three degrees. And the one person from my home here is like, "Yeah, it's thirty-one right now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's stupid. The weather's stupid. My dad lives lives out there in Palm Bay, and it's like we went to this was in October. We went to uh, this uh, Kennedy Space Center. Oh, that's and, cool. and awesome. it was it was still humid, and it was just like, Dad, I love you, but I'm never gonna come back out here. So yeah, in the Disney World area of or of Florida, it's all swampland, and it's like 100 percent humidity all year round it's super super hot and you can't breathe um it feels like you can't get oxygen a lot of times it's it's, it's a, a weather environment that it takes a, a day or two to get used to sounds like you're describing covid but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like describing COVID. now this is this is my this was my um fifth or sixth trip to disney world um and so none of you guys have been to disney world ever i never no, have I, uh, no, disneyland i, I want a bunch times, but not disney world Okay, no, so George, you've been to Disney World a bunch. Yeah, my sister went to school. Uh, she went to college in Tampa, which is like an hour and a half from Orlando. So we'd always 
make a trip over there just because you know coming from maine it's like well if we're this close we might as well go might as well do it right um did she do the college program there and and work in the summers she did not know she was uh-huh. a See, this, she, this, she could have art history major so like there's a, I have a there's a reason i have a long-standing like history at disney world because my sister in college Disney World has this intern program where you can they'll fly you down, they'll pay for your stay, your they'll pay for like your housing and you'll work out at Disney World all summer long. So it's a really cool job. And they pay they pay their workers awful, but they're also paying for like their housing, so they're you know, it's a trade-off. Kind of even though. Yeah, especially housing in Orlando near Disney World, it's a yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of a good deal. But uh, I started, my sister goes to Disney World like once a year because she knows it so well. She loves it so much. So I've been to Disney World quite a few times. And this is the first time I've been back in a decade. And uh, me and my girlfriend went down. And the big thing we wanted to see was Galaxy's Edge. We wanted to see Galaxy's Edge in the Animal Kingdom because Animal Kingdom had the new uh, Pandora area from Avatar. Oh, yeah. Super overrated movie. Really cool in Disney World. So I accidentally scheduled the first day we were going to galaxy's edge on may the 4th we scheduled super early just because i heard that the parks was all sold out so i scheduled early didn't realize it was may the 4th until my sister told me and then you know me and caitlin were getting super hyped up ready to go in because we knew it was gonna be crazy so we roll up to uh hollywood studios which is the park that has um galaxy's edge on may the 4th and disney world has this thing called the rope drop where they actually open the parks about an hour before the advertised time. And it's only for people that were sitting there waiting in line. So uh, me and her thought we were going to be sly and get there at rope drop. And we pull in on the bus and we just see a line of thousands of people. <laughs> thousands, guys. I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like it was I was I was like, oh, they must have been camping here all night. <gasps> You know, like, 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 like we, we were, we were like distraught. So we walk up and I'm like, well, gotta wait in line now. There's nothing else we can do. Right. As we walk up to the temperature check tent, they open a new line. So me and her were not only allowed, but encouraged to cut in front of like 5,000 people and got right to the front of the line for the rope drop. Right. Oh my God. Wow. That. We we get in and they they take our temperature and I, as they as they're taking the temperature I'm watching because I was we were like the third people in line. But Are you wearing a mask? mask? Yeah, yeah. Everyone has to wear a mask on oh. Disney World property at all time. So <laughs> we um we're getting our temperature taken and I just see people pouring in and I had mapped out the path to Galaxy's Edge beforehand. <laughs> like I, I had mapped out a shortcut. I'm like the main traffic is going to go through here. We're going to cut left. Sorry, hold on, time out. Did you, like, print it out? Like, was it, like, in the 2000s when you had, like, MapQuest stuff that you printed out? No? No. Okay. No, so Galax- <laughs> Galaxy's Edge is, is, is shaped like a like a half circle. So there's two entrances. And most of the people are going to cut all the way across Hollywood Studios and go down. Instead, we were cutting left, right? So I'm getting my temperature taken, and me and Caitlin just start booking it. And the, the whole main street of Hollywood Studios is full of people in like, you know, Jedi cosplay and like they're, they're just all moving in one spot. And she's like, "Get the sidewalk, get the sidewalk." No one's on the sidewalk, so we got the sidewalk and then we cut left and I only see two people on the path we're taking. And so one she's of them was, navigating. She's telling you where to go, right? Well, yeah, she 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 brought go the left, idea of right. going on the sidewalk. 
kick um, this dude in the balls. And, so wait, and sorry, did you say the rule of two? There was only two groups. Like there, there was, no, there, there was two people in front of us when we cut left, and because because we cut left, and everyone else went the other way, and one of them was this guy in a straw hat. Right, he was a straw hat, and he must have been like a jogger. Like he runs marathons or something because he had a, a super good posture and he was just booking it at a good pace, <laughs> right? And he was just he was just booking it like 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 low arm movement, just booking it like right. like he knew exactly where he was going. This is his hundredth trip. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Me and Caitlin are running, dude, like 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 full sprint. He must have heard us because he looks back, sees me and her approaching. <laughs> And then just takes off. He's like, he like busts out into full sprint. And we're like, oh, okay. That was pretty funny. And then the, uh, we were like getting winded and running out of breath. We kept getting yelled at by Disney employees telling us to slow down, whatever. But we get there into Galaxy's Edge on May 4th, 10 minutes before everybody else. There must have been a bottleneck or something at the other side where people couldn't get in. But we get there and we're able to like walk through Galaxy's Edge with nobody in it and just be like, 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 like admire the park. And like, we're like, okay, well, let's go on the Millennium Falcon ride. This, it's called Smuggler's Run. So we are the first people. We, I actually, I took time to ask for directions to Smuggler's Run because it's so big in Galaxy's Edge. Oh, wow. We, <laughs> we get up there and he's like, oh, first group of the day. <laughs> like, we get like, looking at each other like, are you kidding me? Like, it's May the 4th. You know, um, so we, I was able to walk all the way through the Millennium Falcon line, which is like a mile long. And we were the first people to ride the Millennium Falcon, which worked out in our favor because while then everybody else poured into that line, we went out and did like our shopping and stuff and and got in the queue for the other ride. But, um, guys, let me tell you what. There's it, the Millennium Falcon ride. You pilot the Millennium Falcon, and there's four gunners behind you. And there's two engineers, I think. But because of COVID, they're only allowing same parties in. They're not mixing the parties at all. So me and her got to go in the Millennium Falcon by ourselves and pilot it. Just me and her. This pilot the Millennium Falcon through this ride, and it was the coolest experience of my life. I, I'm pretty sure it takes That's place awesome. in Rogue One. Not Rogue One. Um the solo movie i'm pretty sure it takes place in that time period it's incredible I, I don't, incredible I don't think it's a sequel. yeah because like you're 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 shooting down like this this freighter train and stuff like that and it's really 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 cool and you know disney disney does incredible stuff these days with their theme parks the other ride there is called rise of the resistance and that is a ride that takes place in the sequel trilogy and it's um it's about like keeping a a rebel base secret but the only way to get on this ride is to sign up for a virtual queue so you have and it sells out in less than five seconds so you have to wake up in the morning with like an atomic clock and when the clock hits seven hit join the virtual queue if you're not fast enough you won't get in so me and her were on board in group 28 and we get in there and you're like on the shuttle. It's flying. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. But um, it, I don't understand what the big deal is about this, right? And then during the ride, you get hit with a tractor beam from an Imperial star starship. Get sucked in. And then the ride opens up and you're on an Imperial starship walking through it with an entire fleet of First Order troopers. And like they're really there. It's, it's not a screen. They're there. 
like like standing alongside like like at attention so you're walking across the deck of this imperial starship and like there's imperial officers there telling you to get in line like you're prisoners and the whole thing's a prison break they have kylo ren brought like like kylo ren there and stuff like that it's really cool it's a really awesome ride um but as far as galaxy's edge goes man like disney the, the new stuff that disney's doing is next level like between their pandora and their galaxy's edge they make you feel from the get-go like you're actually there. Even like when you, when you buy Coke, the, the Coke bottles are shaped like thermal detonators and they have uh, uh, Star Wars inscriptions across them. It doesn't even say Coca-Cola. Um, and then, of course... I'm sorry, I got to ask about these thermal detonators. Are okay. they like bad quality or are they like collector's cup style like you could take it home? Hold on. Let me let me go grab okay. mine. Okay. I uh, I watched... I first off, I listened to a kind of funny podcast, and they had Anthony Carboni on. He works for Star Wars, yeah, like he's on the Star Wars show and that. And they all went to Galaxy's Edge, and so I've heard about a, a bunch of this stuff, but hearing it from Seth, it sounds so much better. Even. Oh snap! It's got the uh, logo and everything. Okay, no, yeah. So it's, it's all incredible. it's all in, in, in yeah in writing. So that if you buy Sprite. It, it's it's shaped like a thermal detonator. If you buy a water bottle, it's longer. It's got it's it, you can tell it says Dasani, but it's it's like in the same inscription. It's a different language. Um, Seth, you got to turn that into like a Christmas tree ornament or something, man. Like I don't, is, I, I don't know what I want to do with it. We we brought me and her brought both of ours back. Uh man, there's there's just so much to talk about. There, we built our lightsabers. That was an incredible experience. She cried. I teared up. Uh, and cause like, it, it's not just like you go in and you build your lightsaber, right? Like you go in and it's a, it's a show. There's this lady there. I don't know her actual name in the universe, but she guides you through building your lightsaber. And then there's, you're in a group of like probably 10 or 12 people and you all ignite them at the same time and raise them up. And it's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty epic. And then we also got a reservation for the cantina, which was everything you could ever hope for. I spent. A hundred and I think fifty dollars the cantina because the drinks are in Disney World are super expensive. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The theming, the pictures, everything was great. We, me and her, bought both bought movie accurate uh, outfits and robes and. Oh really? Much, yeah. Did you see the pictures? Yeah. Oh, you I, on Facebook. Yeah, I, I oh, saw God, the they, one where I asked you about where'd you get oh, the yeah. uh, the Jedi. God, they look they looked so good, man. Like yeah. they yeah. Looked, like I said, you look like an extra who was killed at the Battle of Geonosis. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is that wow. normally when you buy like costumes and stuff like that at like, you know, theme parks or whatever, they're really low quality. These were expensive. They're heavy. They're really they, they feel like like a prop off a movie. It, like, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, if anyone is a Star Wars fan, you have to go to Galaxy's Edge. You have to just experience it because it was surreal. The Millennium Falcon is life sized that they have there. And, you know, that, that sits outside the Millennium Falcon ride. There's X-Wings. There is um, Y-Wings. There's the um, uh, the, the TIE, TIE Fighter? TIE Fighters there. You know, you have Chewbacca there walking around. Ray, the, the First Order Troopers, Kylo Ren. Like, all this incredible stuff, man. That, that just that, that just is surreal to see in person. So, Coach, I know you're not a fan of the sequels. And I, and I'm like indifferent on them. You have to experience it, man. You have to because it makes you feel like you're a kid again. Especially going to the cantina and sitting there with like a 
like a cantina music playing and it, it's it's shaped just like the cantina from Moss Eisley. Incredible. It's Moss Eisley, right? Yeah. 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 It's 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 absolutely insane. Um and Galaxy's Edge is themed sort of like like uh, Tatooine or Jakku type theming. Mm-hmm. It's it's you can tell it's very desertish, hot planet. But yeah, it was insane. The stuff that Disney's doing, like I said, is absolutely next level. Next level. And then, oh yeah, then we bought. I bought uh, Luke's lightsaber. She bought Ahsoka's lightsabers, and then I bought Ben Solo's lightsaber. Yeah, and then we built. We bought our own too. But the Ahsoka lightsabers from Rebels were discontinued. Those were the ones I was looking really looking forward to because I like her curved white lightsabers. Mm-hmm. But they upgraded her uh, Clone Wars lightsabers. And now the color change, and they're really nice. They're really beautiful. And I am imagining they're going to redesign the Rebels lightsaber because it was kind of bulky. It, it, it kind of wasn't up to the quality of the other ones. So I, that that's that's kind of sucked. But I'm expecting them to come back at some point. But the, how are you going to display them? Um, I'm probably going to have them displayed like I have now. Me and her built, bought that shelf that we have. Mm-hmm. That's a really picture. cool display. We put LEDs in it and. So she's big time into Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, nice. she is too. She's a uh, rebel tattoo on her wrist. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Where's your Star Wars tattoo, Seth? Do you even like Star Wars? I got I got this tattoo Fake on her Star Wars friend. Wait, you got a tat? I got a tat years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a it's a karate symbols tat. Oh, nice. That's, All right. Terrace Kasi, is that that kind of karate? Like are you an actor? <laughs> 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 no. Side no. note. Solo's in theaters. I'm there with my friend Chris, and we're watching it. And she mentioned she learned Terrace Kasi, and Chris and I just turned to each other and we're just like, "Masters of Terrace Kasi." Yeah, I was so high when I saw that movie, and I just like as soon as they said that line, I just started laughing so hard, and like no one else in the theater really got it, but I was just like, "They did it! Those crazy sons (laughs) of a bee did it!" (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then we also went back to Galaxy's Edge Saturday then, which was our last day there. And we were expecting to buy robes and whatnot and, and kind of dress up. But it was funny, the Friday night before we went there, we were at this place called Downtown Disney. It's like Disney's shopping area, a relaxation area that you can go after the parks. And we'd gone there almost every night. And we found this little Star Wars store called the Galaxy's Edge Trading Post or whatever. Oh yeah, and we were, we were and we were walking around a little more, and we saw a different one. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. It's probably the same old look. In and this one had like the good stuff. This one had the other lightsabers. It had the robes. And Did they have Anakin's like the dark? Because I like his Episode Three. I like his, his getup. Yeah, uh, she actually bought a black robe. She oh, didn't wear it that day. I, yeah. And I, I have I have a full. I think I sent you guys a picture of me in the darkness with the full getup. I I, yeah. I, I have the brown outer robe too, but I didn't. It's it was ninety degrees. I wasn't gonna wear. Like, so, are you gonna <laughs> cosplay at the next uh, Comic Con? I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna go that far. But are you gonna cosplay dress. at the next Friday? Just dress up and, yeah. and play some video games as Obi Wan. <laughs> just, just chill out. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just I, I saw him there, and I was like a, I was like a kid in a candy store, man. I had money, and I there I was around this, all this amazing Star Wars stuff, like these movie accurate robes, these lightsabers, and I almost bought another lightsaber, but now I was like, I gotta hold up. I, I I can't do it. I'm glad well, I didn't. Man, downtown Disney's like kind of underrated. Like the last time I went uh, to one in Florida, I went to one in LA a couple times too. Um, like I just, I went with my sister and like, you know, 
she might have furnished alcohol for a minor whatever oh um but like we just like went like they have like movie theaters in downtown mm-hmm. disney and it's so, like we just went and saw like norbit and ghost rider <laughs> we so they actually they changed it <laughs> so many problems last time with i was there just said. no they man, changed that was a it. great way to spend two nights and they turned it into what they, they changed the name to it's called disney springs now and it's more of an outlet mall where there's like stores that aren't related to disney like oakley um and they changed the theming of it a lot too and i'm not crazy about that but um it, it's still uh, cool yeah, but the man, the downtown Disney last time I went, it just had like one of the best comic book stores I've ever been yeah. to. Like it was awesome. And that was yeah. before they had acquired Marvel too. So that that's that's where I was all last week. That's why I was on the podcast last week. I was literally in uh, in Galaxy's Edge. Um but me and her we decided on our way back, like we're we're gonna come back in the fall. I have vacation to burn. That's where so. we should go, dude. We can do that. Yeah. That's where we should go, man. Yeah, Plus, yeah, I, that'd be easy for Austin too, and like it probably, yeah, should be, probably yeah. should be easiest for him, right? And honestly, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that expensive. Uh, it was expensive when you factor in like all the stuff I bought. But to travel down there, it was about a travel down there for the week, including plane tickets. It was about two grand for me and her. So not like, bad at all for people people that think Disney World like extremely expensive. It's really not that bad. I mean, well, it's expensive when you have four kids. You know, like I don't know what to tell there you. you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you eat yes. four meals there that are like 150 yeah. each. So. Thankfully, yeah. we don't have four kids. We are four kids, but we don't have them. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. Essentially. I got two. Um, but yeah, it was it was probably one of the, one of the best experiences I've had in my whole life. So That's I actually awesome, bought. I, I had to buy a second suitcase down there to check and bring all our souvenirs back. I don't know if you guys saw in the picture I sent, but I had I bought two pilot helmets as well. Oh, that's from, awesome! Yeah, it's 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 in the bottom. It's on the bottom shelf. So did you get a uh, Luke Skywalker and a Wedge Antilles? No, I got. Uh, I don't. I don't I actually. Oh, see, Coach has a Coach is a sweet one. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like the one Coach has, except I think it's smaller. They're youth size. I only had the youth sizes there, but gotcha. they look really cool on a shelf. Um, so yeah, that's all I've been doing. What the what do you guys want to do this week? Anybody? Um, I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil Village. Okay. A lot of it. Um, I am now 17 hours in. Uh, I'm on my fourth playthrough. Okay. Uh, I've got it down. My first playthrough is eight and a half, then to five hours, nine minutes, then three hours and 51 minutes. And now I'm on the next one. This game is, I mean, it's not like much has come out yet this year, but this is my game of the year right now. And it'll honestly be very hard to beat because I'm all sucked into this game. The moment I beat it, I'm excited. I'm like, all right, going to start my next one and do this challenge this time. And it's just so good. Resident Evil games are meant to be replayed. They're oh, yeah. meant to they're meant to be like to find the best ways to get through it as fast as possible. There's so many things in this game that if you look, it really so you know, Resident Evil Village has werewolves and vampires and stuff like that. And the first thought is how is that like Resident Evil? It actually ties right into the whole thing. Oh, it ties is, right in with the is, whole Resident Evil story. It ties right which is in. Kind of amazing because I didn't see that coming. Um, did the T virus get in the water this time? No. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? Did they just pump it directly into the ventilators around the village? Is that uh, how it, so went, it was? A, it was a sports drink, actually. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> without saying too much, let's just say 
this is the incubation of the virus. Oh, okay. Um, I hate the Resident Evil story, dude. I, I hate it so much. I love it so much. That, man, that's do really... You need to play, do you need to play 7 before you play Village? They, when you first boot up the game, and like even in one of the menus later, you can find it too. It's like, here is a recap of Resident Evil 7. So you don't have to. You do get a little more out of it. And especially like at the end, there's uh, like revelation. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. I was really confused about that. And all right. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Which one's scarier, seven or eight? Seven overall is scarier. This one has a much is much more tense throughout the entire thing. And there are four. And this is my favorite word I've been he- using slash hearing lately. There are four biomes, really. And the second one is nightmare fuel. I think it's scarier than anything in Resident Evil 7. Hmm. It's, the, it's the shortest one, but it's terrifying. That's interesting because I've heard a lot of complaints that 8 is not scary at all. Have you seen this? Yeah. A, a lot of people I've seen do that complaint. And I'm not saying everyone, that, but a lot, a lot of people I've personally seen doing it played the demos. And that's it. Um, I actually saw one person who said, oh, Resident Evil 8 isn't as scary as 7. Thanks for saving me that 60 bucks. I'm not going to buy it. And I'm like, okay, it's still it's a fantastic game. It's still mm-hmm. absolutely tense the whole way through. There's still situations where I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. What am I going to do? Like, it, it's not like it's, oh, it's not the most terrifying game of the last four years. Guess I'm not going to play it. Like... I, I don't know that 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 take just really baffles me because it's like the only good thing about the game could be if it was scary. Okay. And now, mechanically, how does it compare to seven? Mechanically, it it is similar to seven. It's a little better because this game is much more action oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, this game is very attributed to the likes of Resident Evil Four, so much so in the fact that. Resident Evil 4 started out with you going into the village and basically needing to survive until the church bell rings. Right. Mm-hmm. This game starts out with you going into the village and needing to survive until the bell rings. Oh, wow. Um, but like it, it is a much more action oriented game. It is. It will give you ammo a lot easier than in like Resident Evil 2 or 3 remakes. But at no point on my I should specific, specify on my first playthrough where like right now I'm doing new game plus with my weapons upgraded and everything like that. On my first playthrough at no point did I feel like oh I have so much ammo this will be fine. A few times I did and then I found my problem when I was running out of ammo. And there there are moments that like I said they're they're not scary but they're tense. They're very tense. Mm-hmm. And one of the things this game does the best, and I think it might be the best in any Resident Evil I've played so far, is the characters. Not so much the main character. Ethan's whatever. He just, the only things he says the entire game are, where is my child and why does this keep happening to me? Uh, But Fair question. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's. Uh, but all the characters that are introduced around him, everyone from the Duke to the Four Lords, they are so well done. And 
you were making the joke about Seth cosplaying at a convention or just on Friday while he's chilling playing games. I already made a list of some things. I'm going to cosplay as Heisenberg from this game. Hmm. Like he's such a great character. I I love everything about the people in this game. Now, does this have um, VR support like seven as well? Unfortunately, no. I wish it did. I I think my absolute favorite thing about this entire game is it is so self-aware of Resident Evil at times. Like in the one fight, the one person calls Chris, Chris a boulder punching asshole. Well, uh, Chris is, is the uh, best protagonist of Resident Evil. Which I, I is, of course, a callback to Resident Evil 5 when he punched a boulder into a volcano. He didn't just punch a boulder in the volcano. Chris used to punch the zombies' heads off. And that was the coolest <laughs> thing in all Resident Evil history. I mean, like, in Resident Evil 5, when you get a strapped-up Chris, who's been on, like, that special Mexican horse meat formula, you know, and he's just... Stro- that's a boxing joke, by the way. And he's just strolling <laughs> in there, like, 400 pounds of pure muscle, and he's just punching zombies' heads off. That was the only Resident Evil game I liked playing, to be honest with you. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. When you said special, my first thought was you were going to go with Michael Jordan's special sauce or special now, juice from uh, Space Jam. Canelo Alvarez, who's a famous boxer, popped for steroids, and he said it was from because he went down to Mexico and ate some horse meat. <laughs> and that's and the boxing world bought it. It was it's, ridiculous. It's, it's funny. The horse that just run won the Kentucky Derby has been uh, they found illegal steroids in him. Yeah. So. I, you know, that might not be far from the truth. My favorite was the trainer for the horse. Like when addressing is just like, it's cancel culture. It's like, dude, this is not cancel culture. Your horse failed a drug test. Like, come on. You know, the best part was the, the excuse he gave that he thinks it might be. Oh, one of the stable hands was drinking cough syrup and peed on the, the straw or hay that the horse eat. That's, I mean, that's gotta be it. Yeah. So looping back to Resident Evil, where where does this fall on your? Because you're obviously a Resident Evil super fan. Where does this fall on your list of Resident Evil games? Honestly, it's pretty high. Uh, four is obviously my favorite. It's my number three favorite game of all time. Seven might be. I'd say seven's in my top ten. Maybe like number you're, eight or nine. Okay, so we got number one and number ten. Where, where does this fall? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the this, weird way to go about the list, Elijah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm going through like those are like my two highest ones. I'd say eight is probably rather close to seven. Honestly, it is so number so nine. Good. Sorry, Resident Evil seven it, or or number seven on your list. <laughs> yeah, I made this so confusing. <laughs> you did. You really did. Um, is it uh, in your top five or is it in your top ten? It's in my top fifteen. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as good as seven, but I don't think it's far off. I think the big thing for me with seven was just when it like really revolutionized and brought the series into a completely different direction. And that still resonates very well with me. Like I replayed seven in the road up to this game coming out. And I just sat the whole time being like, this game is amazing. Is seven in your top five? Seven is like my number eight. Jesus Christ, Elijah. It's (laughs) It's <laughs> what's your number two? My number two is uh, depending on the day, it's either Bioshock or Final Fantasy Seven. No, 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 no of, it, of the it, Resident it, Evil rankings. I never asked you favorite games of all time. I said Resident Evil. My second favorite Resident Evil is Resident Evil Seven. <laughs> okay, so is is eight number three? Yes. 
Okay, okay. That's what, there that's what we, we were go. asking before, and then he said it was in your top 15. That's why we were so confused. It's like, is there even 15 Resident <laughs> Evil games? Maybe. It's like, yeah, I guess if you count, like, both episodes of that game that came to 3DS, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, I think I did, I checked out before, and I think there are 23. Well, it's just like, all right, so, like, is Operation Raccoon City above 8, then? Like, is that really, what, like, what we're dealing with here? Operation Elijah Raccoon loves City Operation. was terrible, but I love it, and I, I will fully accept it as a bad game. Okay. Oh, I just like the type of guy that ranks things out of seven. He's like, this is five out of seven. <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah, a five for you and a five for me is very different. <laughs> it, makes, it makes my second string Mount Rushmore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <It makes it. laughs> Lollipop Chainsaw is a perfect seven in my book. <laughs> oh my god seven out of six perfect game yeah (laughs) above and beyond yeah but no resident evil village is a very very good game honestly it exceeded my expectations because i was keeping them in check and it did everything right that i didn't expect it to this game gets six lady dematsu's out of seven (laughs) oh lady dimitriska's dimitriska's whatever Lady Dimitrisk is one of the three ways it's said in the game. <laughs> even they don't know how to pronounce it. Like uh, even the, even the game won't commit to how you actually say the name. Ethanberg or yeah, Ethanberg, Ethan Heisenberg, and uh, Duke say have it you guys, all similar, but a little different. Have you guys seen the meme of her picking up Master Chief, and it's like? Just two seven foot characters hanging out together, and she's picking Master Chief up like he's a little kid. She's <laughs> nine six, and Master Chief is seven foot tall. Uh, I, I love everything. My favorite thing about this whole Lady Dimitrisk thing is just that I've seen so many people interested in Resident Evil for the first time that I've never. I know a bunch of people that this is their first Resident Evil game. My favorite thing about it is Capcom just unabashed, like like sexualization of the character. Like, did you see that one thumbnail they put out of her where she's like shoving a cylindrical object in her mouth? Like <laughs> what, what it is, is she cut Ethan's palm and like started sucking the blood out of his palm. Okay. It just doesn't look right. <laughs> I understand it wasn't what it looked like, but what it looked like was very obvious. Oh, they yeah, did it on yeah, purpose. It was... Like they, they were not, they, they were not beating around the bush. I read some thread from like a, a someone who like works in the AAA space about like how progressive a character it is. Like she's still like super sexualized, and like everyone who sees her super sexualizes her, obviously, because I mean she's got you know big boobs and like a big butt, and like that's where a lot of the focus is drawn in a lot of the marketing and a, a lot of the imagery and like the framing even in the game. But uh, they were just talking about like how progressive it was to have like a woman with wrinkles, like in in a game about like how that was like we're really told like not to do this like there's been like a i think they called it like the datification where they just like make a lot of like as game developers get older they've been making a lot of the playable characters like reflect them a little bit closer and so like the average like protagonist for a male in a game has like gotten older over the past couple years interesting talking, you talking about, i guess like, you're right like joel yeah, i'm thinking about it yeah and they were talking about like how like progressive was to have like a woman occupy that space for once And, like, she's still sexualized. Like, the guy didn't argue that. But he's, like, just the fact that, like, she's not, like, perfectly smooth-skinned. You know, like, you could say she's 4,000 years old. But, like, the fact that she actually looks like she's a little aged was, like, a triumphant, I guess. Like, just in terms of representation. Which is an argument I can can agree, like, with. Like, I can see that. And one thing that 
you can't get just from like the pictures and everything that people share on Twitter that she is she like I said she's a very good character she like holds herself she has a lot of point she is she is somebody that like if she wasn't a terrifying vampiric woman with giant literal blade nails things that like I I've had someone said like if I didn't think she'd kill me I would actually look up to her <laughs> you well, you would have to. Yeah, so I was just saying, like, literally, well she's done. nice. <laughs> Shut up, Coach, Elijah. That's didn't... good. Don't, don't dismiss it. That was great. No, I literally <laughs> said, well done. And it sounded sarcastic. I need to make sure that joke gets its due. No, that was, it was that not was, sarcastic. Was I, I wasn't good, even Coach. going for that. I was proud of that. Damn good, Coach. <laughs> Coach, you've been, uh, you've been quiet during this conversation. You got anything to say about Resident Evil 8 or any questions? for? No, just a question man? I had at the beginning, because I do have seven here. So if I have time to play it, uh, eight, I would play it in July or June when I get back from uh, a training assignment that mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing here in a couple weeks. So I am kind of looking forward to that. So yeah, that's, I, that's I, why I asked about, do you need to play seven before eight? But I'll I go will, ahead and play seven. Before yeah, eight. I will recommend, like you don't need to, like I said, they have that video, but I recommend it because you will get a lot more out of where eight goes. If you can look back at things in seven and be like, oh yeah, okay. That now, aren't shown in that catch-up video. Elijah, as a large Resident Evil fan, and as a relapsed Resident Evil fan, what don't you think the story has gotten a little out of control? Like it's just it's just too much at this point. I know I'm large, but damn, that hurt. <laughs> um <laughs> so with seven, I was really confused about like how this was all fitting into it and even with eight like i said eight connects to the series as a whole and makes it a lot more like oh i see where this is it still is very like okay all right i can see where the series is like evolving but you really need to stretch your imagination a bit well i didn't i didn't beat seven obviously but i did hear that there is a character that makes an appearance at the end of seven that ties back to the rest of the series in a pretty strong way, that, correct? That, that character is very prominent in 8. Okay. Okay, I didn't want to spoil anything. I just, because I got spoiled for it. So, um... There are, a, I know there's a lot of people replaying Final, or Resident Evil 7 right now. There are um, also some terrifying mods out there for Village that have this character switched with the baby. So, like, you just see this character walking around with a gun with a giant baby head on, but you see this character's face just on a baby in a bassinet, and but it's so terrifying. My, my thing is, with Resident Evil, is that we had a pretty coherent plot for the first, you, you could say the first three games, and then we, yeah. it, start, it started getting out of control in the PS2 era, and then we started getting the movies, and the spinoff games just kept going, and they were all trying to tell, like, one sort of giant plot line. And it kind of feels like to me, because I, I was a big Resident Evil fan, the five and six days, six kind of dropped me off. But um, it kind of feels like to me that they've just given up on telling any sort of cohesive story. And they're just kind of telling stories within this world at this point. So it seems to me like the stories, like like you said, they, they become like much more far-fetched from where they were. Uh, I've noticed it kind of evolves with gaming generation so like one two and three had that story on uh the 
PS1. Mm-hmm. And then PS2, GameCube, Xbox generation, and even like PS3. PS2 and PS3 generation was the Plaga story for 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. And now with this PS4 generation, and you can say PS5, but even Village is on PS4 and Xbox One. With this generation, it's, uh, I guess you could say, like the Mold series. So, like, seven, it's, eight, nine. well, I know they'll do a nine, so yeah, yeah. Um, so like seven, eight is like the mold series. Uh, so it kind of like brings in a new type of enemy every generation or every other generation, like every trilogy of games. There's a new, like, all right, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, it's just odd to me because I always kind of felt like they were building up a story that eventually had a conclusion where they ended up overcoming the, the virus. But it seems at this point, like, they, they don't have an end in sight. Like they're just kind of making new stories in this virus-infested world, which I don't know that I'm really that interested in. It's kind of the same reason I dropped off The Walking Dead. Hello, so, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Assassin's Creed. The, the big thing with 7 and 8, like I said, I'm trying not to spoil it, but let's just say this isn't getting to the end, but more towards the beginning. So are these prequels? No. Okay. So, you know, I, I remember the first time I played Resident Evil, it was on the GameCube. And it was so fun. It was a really good time to be a gamer back in the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Because Yeah, it was. You, you didn't have... Were you even alive? Is it George, am, like 30? Bitch, I am 30. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. So... I remember I wasn't even tracking the remake of Resident Evil. And then on GameFAQs, it was blowing up. So I got it day one and I was hooked, right? And then 2, 3, and Code Veronica released. But it was either the Dreamcast or the the PS1 versions on the the GameCube. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when I was in uh, Fort Hood, RE4 came out. and after that, I just, I mean, I did buy the Wii version, which I, li- I think is the best version of RE4. I, um, I just haven't been into the series after that. Like five, I saw it. I just like, eh, because they changed it up. It wasn't so much horror anymore. And then At- six, I just, it was a mess. So six, the way I always put it, is a good action game. It's a bad Resident Evil game. Uh, like it has the Resident Evil story and everything, but I'd say that game is more akin to something like Kill Switch or something like that. It's much more like there are so many enemies, it's ridiculous, and like it plays much more like an action game. So like even RE4 and Village have a lot of like a whole bunch of enemies, but it doesn't play like an action game. It plays like someone who's just kind of stuck in a situation, and you need to make the best of it. Um, yeah and yeah like i said the games have callbacks which i really enjoy like at the very beginning of this game literally five minutes in if you look on his shelf there's a book by the or by the owner of the kendo gun store in resident evil 2 Hmm. um all right yeah it's i i recommend this game it's so all right i guess we'll just move on uh george coach you guys been playing anything Cool. This past week, up to anything cool? Doing anything? Go Jorge. It's all you, buddy. Yeah. Um, 
a few things actually. Uh, Pokemon Snap came out. I've been Ooh. playing a lot of that, really enjoying Ooh. it. Um, I've been trying to play more Pokemon Go. Like I've been taking my dog for walks and trying to get more engaged that way uh, with with the franchise because I, I didn't really like Sword and Shield that much. Like I keep trying to get into it, but it's just not clicking with me. And then Pokemon Snap came out, and I'm just clicking with this in a big way. This is kind of how I want more Pokemon games to be, where it's just like I don't necessarily care about being the best trainer in the world of Pokemon, but I do like spending time in the world of Pokemon. And Pokemon Snap is just such an awesome premise. Like it's for those who don't know, it's like literally just you're a nature photographer on like a fixed track and you're just going through these different, like Elijah said, biomes and just exploring Pokemon in their natural habitats. And every couple, like with this game specifically, the more time you spend on a track, you'll like level up the track. And so like different things will happen with like higher levels and the higher levels you are, like the more things you unlock and the more things you unlock, like the different courses you can go to and then even more things you can unlock. So even though it's like, you know, a, a sort of like fixed experience where like it's not that different. It's just different enough to be compelling. And the high score chasing of just like trying to get a better photo uh, is really it's so dumb, but it's so compelling at the same time. Like I never got into Instagram, but like this is just slowly taking over my life. One thing I heard is that the photos sometimes that are worth more points is more of a question of why is this worth more points than it's, this it's actually ridiculous. really good one. It's I ridiculous. Think? Like I went to film school. Like I know Putting something so large it takes up most of the frame and putting it in the center of the frame, that's not a good photo. No, you got to use the rule of thirds. You got to balance right. it. You exactly. Need, yeah, you need something big on one side, something small on the other side to balance it out. You know, um, got to get more interesting with color. Uh, gotta, it's, it's still like a dumb scoring metric, but this game does a really good job because you can take good photos and then you can take the high scoring photos. And it's not like the original Pokemon Snap where you could only submit one of each Pokemon to Professor Oak. Uh, this is dealing with Professor Mirror and like his little intern. And you could submit what you think he'll like the most. And you'll probably be right and get a lot of points. And then you can save the ones you like. And then you can adjust those like after the fact with filters and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it's super fun. I really I'm really enjoying it. I also got really into Returnal, Ooh. which is another game that deals with biomes. You're right, Elijah. Biome is just the, the that's where it all started. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that game's great. Like that game's awesome. Uh, I'm not very good at it. And so I, I keep hearing that. I, keep I haven't that. unlocked very much, but I think what, like what's most interesting is they did such a good job of translating like 2d mechanics into a 3d space. Like, I think that is really, really cool. Like it feels like a 3d bullet hell. Like if it doesn't feel that different than a Resogun, which, you know, operates, I guess like on a cylinder. So like you could argue it's a 3d space, but it takes place in two dimensions at a time, you know? And so like the fact that they were able to like, translate the language of that type of game into a three-dimensional space while telling a really compelling story i think is super impressive it's a little frustrating i wish you unlocked the guns faster um that's been like my one annoyance part so far but also like i don't know i've got like six hours in the game and i've only died like five times so it it is kind of like you just spend a lot of time with each life and like that's the frustrating part compared to other roguelikes is um you just it's it's such a long commitment to do a run Now, have you run into any of the problems that people have been talking about? Uh, just the how long runs take. That, that's all I've seen. I was trying to stay kind of like off the radar with with this game. Just well, people be people have been having a lot of bug issues of the yeah. uh, doors oh. not opening, uh, the game crashing, um, and the housemark actually came out and said, "If you don't want to lose your run, turn auto updates off on your PS5." 
So they, they want you to turn a system function off so you don't lose your run. Because I guess what happens is if your system is in rest mode, the PS5 will automatically try to update and it, it'll, it'll, it'll close the game. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. But also, like, I yeah. haven't put it in rest mode. You know, like, I've, I've been very committed, like, I'm going to finish this run, even if it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm going to do this until I die, and then I'm going to go to bed. Uh, yeah. I haven't I haven't put it off or anything, just because I, I feel like I get into, like, a, what is it called? Like, a flow state, a where it's just like, yeah, like, everything just sort of, like, makes sense. Like, I'm seeing the code of the Matrix, and I'm trying to do it, and then I'll just get wiped out by, like, the boss. I'm like, oh, yeah, sh- crap, this boss, like, really should have had the machine gun instead of the shotgun. Wish I had known that before I spent an hour and a half trying to unlock this. Right. Well, that's on me. Okay, next time. I'll get him tomorrow. Hit the showers, kid. I keep seeing a lot of people, and this is an interesting conversation, I keep seeing a lot of people asking for a save function in the game, and then also I see a lot of people saying that the game is too hard. And this is an interesting conversation to me because it's it's the same conversation that they were having around Demon Souls, where they're saying that the game needs an easy mode. And I want to know how you guys feel about these games being hard because in my opinion, I think it's the developer's every right to make a game hard. Yeah. Now, th- this is coming from an objective standpoint. I don't like Demon Souls or Dark Souls. Um, I don't like roguelites. But I do think it's an interesting discussion to have. Because it, from my point of view, I care more about story. And I would like to experience the eternal story, but I'm not going to deal with the BS of, of, you know, like a super, super hard game. I'm just going to get mad at because I, I don't enjoy that. I don't find that fun. Um, but I'm not going to go and be like, hey, you guys need to make this game easier. and need to add a save function to the game. Where do you guys fall on that? Do you think these that game, every game should have a difficulty scale or... I think it's up to the developer. Like, I think it should be. We we can't. I don't know if the developer makes a game super hard, and that game's not for me. So mm. I'm not going to sit there and go on Twitter and cry my eyes out because you know, poor me, I can't play it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So, um, but the, the market does, the, the, the market speaks, right? Right. Like these games sell. Yeah. Um, I I think it also depends on. I, I hope. I say this the way I mean it to, but like the gameplay, like how the game handles itself. For example, Dark Souls, yes, it's really hard. But like George said, once you get into a rhythm with that game, that game is almost more like a dancing game because you have to like you time, you maneuver, you like it's all about patience and learning. Like once you learn the boss's moves or the like enemies moves, that game comes a lot easier. And it's all about patience, timing, learning. And like, if it's a game like that, then I understand it being hard because it's just learning the game. But if a game is just like super hard, just to be super hard, then it's like, mm. like imagine if the newest doom games released and like hard difficulty was the standard difficulty. I mean, Doom is pretty hard to be fair. Exactly. Right? Now imagine the hard difficulty was the was like the only difficulty. Yeah, that game it's, is just hard to be hard at that point. It's tough because what's that Cliff Blazinski quote where it's just like if people die on your game on easy, like it's too hard. You know, <laughs> um, 
I don't think that's the problem with Returnal. Because, like, if you introduce a save function, then, like, it stops being a, a roguelite and starts becoming, like, a, a Metroidvania almost, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, that changes the intention of the developers. So I understand why they don't have that. I guess I almost wish that, like, once you beat the first boss, you didn't have to go through the first boss to get through the second boss. Like, I wish they had, like, done it like that, where it's, like, you have to go through five layers of hell, basically. At least, like, I mean, I haven't even beaten the first boss. So, like, I... Actually, you don't, once you beat a boss, you don't have to fight it again. You don't have to, but, like, it's still there in the world, and you could go the wrong way, right? Because it's, oh, like, okay. the, the, the world changes each time, right? So can't you come across a room that you didn't mean to come across? Like, I guess, like, if that sort of were removed, and then, like, if that were the hard game where, like, you had to do, like, a gauntlet, you know, like, a boss rush mode kind of deal, like, that's one way to introduce difficulty. But also, like, I don't know, because I feel like games are like one of the only art forms where like there is an actual challenge to consuming it you know like harry potter isn't harder to read than you know like catcher in the rye you know like at least like mechanically it's not hard to read like sure the the language might be different and i guess like that could be but like even then like shakespeare has been like modernized you know in a whole bunch of plays that you can read like this is what they're saying on one page and then this is what like we would say today just so you can like understand what they're saying because like it does feel like a different language and, you know, like paintings, like it's not harder to look at Guernica than it is harder to look at American Gothic. Um, and so, like, it's just weird to me that, like, games are the one medium where it's like, we're going to go out of our way to make it so you have to earn appreciating this type of art. Coach, I, think I interrupted you earlier. I, I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. No, no, no. And, and I think talk. a lot of it, too, is about age, you know, um, and age, you know, correlating to the time that you have to play a game, right? So I grew up on NES games, which were brutal. Mm -hmm. You know, I can only imagine trying to go back and playing the original Legend of Zelda, you know, because once you get out of those first couple dungeons, they are, they're insane, right? Yeah. And Lion King. Lion King was the same way. Right. Brutally hard. Dude, even using a guide, the original Legend of Zelda is such a pain in the ass. Be and, and the thing about the guide is, okay, you burn this bush and you have dungeon number whatever. You still have to go in there and you have to defeat all those enemies, right? And same thing with Contra. Even with the code, you could beat it, but how many have really beaten it without the code, right? So um, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is another one. Castlevania, you know, all these games, they weren't long per se, but they were difficult. and being younger when this was out, I had more time to put into it and really get into it. Whereas now, you know, thank goodness Jedi Fallen Order had that uh, Padawan or whatever, the the novice. I was able to get in there, play it, enjoy it, yeah. and I could move on, you know? Mm -hmm. It's funny because I have reinstalled and started up Jedi Fallen Order three times. I beat it. And every time I jump in, I'm like... I don't, I don't want to do this again. Right. <laughs> and I, ju I jump right back out. I actually um, just got my copy of Jedi Fallen Order, uh, mm -hmm. specifically for when the like PS5 upgrade comes out. Mm, nice. But you know, a, a game that's fun to try and beat on the hardest is Halo. You know, oh, at yeah. least maybe the first three. You know, no, one, the, the second one is BS on Legendary. That game, like the snipers, like in New Mombasa. The, the that, snipers, that, I remember that, specifically. That is, that is the absolute pits. The snipers will headshot you with, with like these impossible shots. Um, so that that's one op. What's one thing I see quite often when this argument comes up? It's like, well, you can always play your games on hard or the hardest difficulty. 
And I don't like that argument because let me give you guys an example. Um, it, it's not a difficulty slider per se, but it was it was a, a crutch they gave you in the Final Fantasy VII, and I think the other uh, new remasters of, of the Final Fantasy games, the PS1 versions, they give you trigger buttons. <clears throat> and these trigger buttons did things uh, like speed up the game or give you max health and limit breaks. So, and even, like, I'm a, I am a super diehard RPG fan, right? Like, I live and die through these RPGs. And I, when I first started playing the PS4 version of Final Fantasy VII, said, like, I, I'm not going to bother with that. I don't need that. Why would I want that? And then I got down to like 10 HP on a boss where I haven't saved in, you know, an hour. And I'm like, well, I could go back and redo all that. Or I could just hit this button. And of course I hit the button, right? <laughs> I, I turned the difficulty down. I hit the button. I made, I made, I, I and then I one shot at the boss. And it's like the amount of discipline you have to have to not use a crutch when it comes down to like wasting time and whatnot. I think really ruins the experience of playing a hard game. I don't think that hard game is the same when you add in a lesser difficulty. I don't think Demon Souls or Dark Souls would be the same if they had a difficulty slider. Jedi Fallen Order was the same exact way, right? I got through Jedi Fallen Order on the normal difficulty all the way to the end of Dathomir when I fought that that boss, who I'm not going to spoil for people who haven't played it yet. And I did this. Pedro did this and Watson did this. We all changed difficulty at the same place at that boss. Turned it down to Padawan, went right through the end of the game. Because because like I had just gotten that far and I was like, I've had enough. I have nothing to prove to anyone. I'm just going to turn the difficulty down and finish the rest of the story. Well, it's, and, also, it's also like, I get it. I get what you guys are trying to do. Like, I mm-hmm. understand the type of game you want to make. That's great. That's not the type of game I have the capacity to consume right now. Mm-hmm. Right. But everything else is like, a nine out of 10, but like this specific thing, I just cannot abide right now. Like, yeah, I never played God of war 2018. I've been like really wanting to try it out now. I'm going to just play that on the easiest mode. Like, cause I don't care yeah. about like the, the mechanics of like the, the combo system. I really just want to see the story that everyone is saying is like such a touching it's, story. You know, it's a fantastic story. And, yeah. And, and like, I'm like, okay, maybe that's the point of this game. Like, it's not like the arcadey combo stuff. Like maybe it is just like seeing how he relates to this character. And, and that yeah. brings up another thing because, you know, like games like God of war and Jedi fallen order are very story based, but then you have things like dark souls, bloodborne, Sekiro that have stories, but you need to really look to find what is actually going on like in the lore and that that's not something where it's just like, man, this story is crazy. If you just like play through it, but like Jedi fallen order and God of War just have a good cohesive story that those games aren't about the gameplay. They're about the story. The gameplay just happens to be really good for them. Well, see, I, I think my, my point with fallen order was if that difficulty slider wasn't there, would that have changed my enjoyment of the game? And I think it would have. It changes mm-hmm. the experience completely because when you have a Dark Souls, Demon Souls type game, the boss fights are like the big event, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to do these fights over and over and over again, learn the mechanics or at least read the mechanics. And then you can go back and and and, and successfully get through it. Usually by a strand of hair, you know? Yeah. Um. And by having that difficulty slider there, it allowed me to almost put in a cheat code. Change the experience completely. So that's kind of, I guess, 
I just wanted to frame that conversation to you guys of, frame, of what you skip. thought. Uh, for, for, skip that frame of conversation to you guys <laughs> about uh, uh, difficulty in video games, and because I, I know I see a lot of people talking about how Returnal is too hard. A lot of people, they're like, "Oh, I'm terrible at it." And I've seen reviewers also say, and they say they have not completed it. And I think that is also um, a travesty. I think you need to complete games to review them. So, unless it's broken, of course, it's a different story. Well, that was a topic that came up this last week on social media. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, I, that, that's exactly where this this came up in my mind. I'm I like, think it was Colin that difficulty was it Colin and, that called it out, and then everyone had a conniption fit because it was Colin that said it, and the industry hates Colin. Yeah, well, I think uh, Colin said something about reviewers having to finish games and to stop whining about it because you're playing games, which I, I completely agree with. And then my, I, because I, then I saw that the reason they said they weren't finishing the games was because they were a lot of them said it was too hard, and, I, and that framed this whole conversation in my mind about uh, Returnal's difficulty. So, do you guys think that all games should have difficulty sliders or no? I don't think all games should like if all of them were, you know, fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm not going to like get upset if like Dark Souls were to get an easy mode. But I I think, you know, a game like that is fine as it is because it's about like you said games of that ilk, like uh, Morbid 7 Acolytes, the indie game I really like. It's it's less about just doing this gameplay and more about learning and it, it it's less of just a like run an action game and more of a like learning based game like the gameplay is the paramount thing in it mm-hmm. if it like I said, if it's a story game like god of war last of us difficulty no problem at all doesn't matter interesting all right anyone have any Closing thoughts about this. Awesome. No. Yes. George. No. Jorge. Uh, I kind of want to think about this and like maybe come back to it next week. Okay. Um. Yeah, I want to spend more time with Returnal, I guess, because like, like I said, I think I've got like six, seven hours into the game, maybe. But again, that's only like four lives, and like that's the frustrating part is that like the whole mechanic of this is supposed to be about dying and like your character improving. I feel like I'm barely improving between runs. And like, that's where, like, that's why I think the game is hard is just because I'm like, well, I'm not like getting like nominally better each time I die. Mm -hmm. I'm also not dying frequently enough to like really make it worth it to die. And yeah, it's interesting because like everything about the game is like an A plus, except there is just like a little nagging frustration about playing it just because I don't, necessarily feel like i improved after spending an hour and a half on like a run even though i'm like oh my like i lasted longer that time like i was only 45 minutes of time before so like i'm doing better and then i look at my character i'm like oh no my character is exactly the same so i didn't do better actually one run of etern or of returnal is the same length i should say one run of the first biome of Returnal is the same length as doing a complete run of Dead Cells and Hades combined. Wow. Be like Hades, I think took me like 42 minutes and Dead Cells, I haven't finished, but I've gotten very far and it was like 35 minutes. 
I will be honest though. I, I before like I closed off Returnal and I was like, oh, I kind of missed this. And I like booted up and played like a couple runs of Super Stardust Ultra HD. Yeah. On my PlayStation Four. Because I'm like, because I'm like, all right, like this is like quick hit arcade. Like it's got like that positive feedback, immediate feedback. That's kind of what I'm looking for right now. And there's so um, much there's so much like about Returnal. I don't mean to like dog on the game, but I do want to spend more time and think about difficulty. Okay. Uh coach, before we move on do you have anything cool you've been up to this past week uh well let's see i know it's um, late but no no it's okay so and i won't take too long i'm doing my second run hoping that breath of the wild 2 comes out but i'm doing my second run of breath of the wild and i'm thinking so what i want to do is go through and get all the shrines right this playthrough, I want to get all 120 shrines. And then um, at the midway point, which I'm almost there because I'm at like 68 shrines and I'm about to do my second um, Divine Beast. The down, Part of the DLC was the Trial of the Swords. So that way you defeat, it's three stages um, you, and you do all these different rooms, right? Difficulty levels as you go through it. But your master sword stays powered throughout the rest of the game, right? It doesn't lose its power or anything like that. So that's going to be my next um, task once I finish this Divine Beast. So I've been playing that. And then this weekend, my buddy and I, um, we got back into Gears. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So we finished um, Act 2. So we're going to do 3 and 4 this weekend and then the last one, five next weekend before I leave out. So that way, when I come back in the summer, we're going to go through all the way up till um, to five. Oh, is next week your last week here? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I leave two weeks from today. Wow. All right. Um, well, we are an hour 10 in. Do you guys want to finish the, the, the conversation with uh, Ubisoft or no? Do you, we want to do that next week? I think we covered a good topic with difficulty, to be honest. Yeah, I think, so yeah, I, I think we have a, a good bit to say on Ubisoft that would take us a little while. All right. Well, is that was that the uh, article about they're not going to be doing AAA titles? They're going to do free to play. They're BS. shifting their focus. Ubisoft's yeah. a trend, a, a trend follower. So yeah. that's why they're all their games are open world RPGs currently. Um, but we'll talk about that maybe next week, I guess. All right, guys. Well. I suppose we'll wrap it up then. Anybody got any last minute thoughts that they want to throw into the podcast? Uh, I don't believe. Right. Uh, two, two things really quick, actually. Okay. Hit it. Uh, I wrote an article for my blog that I'm like super, super proud of. Uh, you can find that at georgeloftus.com and then navigate over to the blog. Uh, but I wrote it on Jupiter's legacy and the importance of intertextuality, which is just like the relationship between different text so it's like what you see in jupiter's legacy versus like what it's really saying because of all this other art that also exists and like that blog post actually like helped get me a job so like i i was really proud of that and another thing uh fabio came on the podcast back in i want to say like october uh back when we like got our playstations he came on and like was like elijah fabio and i and uh uh, december i think december okay my bad oh yeah because it was after playstation 5 came out uh and uh, we're actually starting up a comic book podcast, which I'm very excited about. It's called Short Box Summary. And so I just wanted to let you guys know to look forward to that. We're going to bank a couple episodes and then start releasing those weekly. 
but we are just covering everything from mid 2000s Marvel going up, like basically from Avengers disassembled on. And so I, he's never read all this stuff, but like he's incredibly interested. And so I'm kind of just like Sherpaing him through comic books of the, the middle millennium. So I'm very excited to get that out, get that into years to listen to. So if you like comic books, let me know. And uh, I will be more active about talking about them and more active about sharing uh, when that podcast goes live. Awesome. awesome. Oh, uh, before I forget, also, uh, be on the lookout for my Twitch channel. Mass Effect Legendary Edition comes out this Friday, and Ooh. I'm going to play all three games only on stream. So my entire journey is going to be on stream. Why? Why are we doing this again? It's been a decade, Elijah. We've been going through this same effing conversation for a decade. I'm sick of having it with you. They're that good games. conversation where I'm excited to play Mass Effect? No, you're not. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I've done no this- I am. I've done this at least 10 times and every time you're like, they're just bad games. And I'm well, sick I mean, of it. Mass Effect 1 is getting an overhaul on gameplay so that'll make it not as bad. I enjoyed what I played of 1 story-wise and character-wise. You've, you, all, you also played 2 and you said you didn't like 2 either. Eh, yeah, some of the See? characters See? not See, here we go. Here well, we go. I I'm knew exci- it. I knew I'm it excited. was coming. I'm excited. Check it out. I'm really excited to play them. All right. All right. Seth is just waiting until the day I quit the game mid game. <laughs> I know I, I, I am. I feel like you're doing it only on stream. So you have like proof that you played it and you could be like, no, see, I played this game. That's why I'm allowed to say I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, don't you remember on stream when I got stuck in that hallway for for 20 tries because the, the camera was was being crappy? Like, I, I feel like it's that you're just g- gathering evidence for your court case against Mass Effect. Realistically, realistically, like I'm not playing anything right now. I'm kind of in a gaming depression. I'm probably going to pick up Mass Effect Friday because I have off until Saturday. So it comes out what probably Thursday at midnight, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll probably pick up and play it all for all, all day Friday, I'm assuming. So. Are you going to get uh, digital? Yeah, I don't buy physical games anymore. I'm biding my time until that sweet, sweet Biomutant. Um. All right. Well, that about wraps up Frame Skip episode number 55. Thank you all for joining us this week. Remember to leave us a review wherever you listen. And remember, you can find us every single week on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and YouTube. If you have a question for the show, remember to submit it at bit.ly slash frameskipq that's bit.ly slash frameskipq or at frameskippodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at frameskippod you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash frameskippod you can follow me on twitter at set the 90s kid please don't follow me elijah is at local lizard man austin is at austin jeller george is at gb loftus um and that about wraps it up gentlemen thank you for joining me this week I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Seth. Had a good time. Yeah. Peace.